Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Woods, um, here with another Page One podcast, today with Matt Sorgel, who uh, Matt every so often cranks out a So Jacksonville story, and he's got another one. Um, uh, maybe maybe I can read the lead, if you don't mind, and then you could tell a little more about it. Sure. Because I like the lead. Normally genteel PBS stations could be stormed next year by a bunch of long-haired, sweaty, snarling Southerners who bring with them a three-guitar attack and a heaping helping of attitude. Very nicely. I think Thank it kind of sets it up nicely. But yeah, explain what where you go from there. So Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, a couple guys with Jacksonville roots. Uh, Michael Ray Fitzgerald. He's a longtime guitar player and a music historian here. He's got a couple books about Jacksonville music. And Patrick Armstrong, who was the original manager for Leonard Skinner back when they were a bunch of high school kids. Uh, he's now a, become a, done well for himself as a real estate developer down in Orlando. They've combined to form First Coast Films, mm-hmm. and they have hired Pine Ridge uh, Film and TV here in Jacksonville, which has won six Emmy Awards and gotten four shows on PBS and uh, a bunch of other channels. They're a real um, serious operation. They do really good work. And they're very familiar with uh, TV and um, getting shows on the air. And they have a distributor in New York who is quite interested in their newest project, which they're doing with the gen- people from Jacksonville, called tentatively called The Soul of Southern Rock, a three-part documentary that could expand about all the crazy Southern rock bands that have come out of this area. Uh, including a good many from Jacksonville. So uh, Leonard Skinner, of course, the Allman Brothers Band, 38 Special, Molly Hatchet, Blackfoot, and new bands like uh, Mofro and Derek Trucks, and uh, a number of others as well. Um, Jacksonville would be a big part of this miniseries. And the distributor up in New York um, seems to think it'll be a real easy sell to PBS. PBS is running a lot of music programming these days. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Ken Burns has a big show out on country music that's coming out, mm-hmm. and they see this as sort of a natural companion. Hmm. And uh, Pine Ridge, uh, Jerry Smith from Pine Ridge, is already talking to people uh, who are from the scene and in the past, and then their modern-day uh, counterparts, like the lead singer from uh, Blackberry Smoke, a very well-respected band. He's planning to talk to the sisters from Larkin Poe, who are an amazing band. If you haven't seen them, check them out on YouTube. It's called Larkin Poe. Um, and uh, he thinks the hardest part will be getting film and audio rights. It's going to be very tricky to do that. But he says usually the hardest thing is getting sponsors for a show. <laughs> Not for this. He thinks <laughs> the sponsors are going to come to them 
and it'll be quite easy to get sponsors to help put the show on PBS. Because you don't get paid by PBS, you get paid by your sponsors for hmm. a show like this. Okay. So um, there's a ton of interest. I did an early story about Mr. Fitzgerald and his efforts to, to start a film back last fall, and it kind of blew up, and uh, he got a lot of interest. The readers kept reading it and commenting on it. It was one of our better read stories. This uh, means they're definitely another step forward. They're actually, hmm. Pine Ridge, the, the, the filmmakers are actually in development. They're making basically a trailer that they can give to... Uh, Huh. Okay. To uh, sponsors, and uh, so they hope by next year, 2020, that we will see a at least a three-part documentary on Southern rock music with a heavy emphasis on Jacksonville. Yeah, and I did find it interesting how you you talk about how it's it's not hard to sell far away from Jacksonville. This isn't just let's get it on our local station or even southern stations they feel like it can sell across the country and then overseas yeah then who knows i mean southern rock is huge elsewhere you know there um there are southern there are people who come to jacksonville from all over the world who take the leonard skinner tour yeah they stop by the the old house which now has a historical marker the old van zant house on the west side they go by the cemeteries they they take bus tours Yep. Seriously, take bus tours all around, and uh, they come from Holland, Italy, Bosnia, you name it. Yeah, they have. A, I think they have a map up in the jug where they have pins where people the bus when people have gotten off the bus where they've they've come from. Of course, the jug would be a, a spot where they would come to to cut a rug. Yes. Um, so yeah, it was interesting though that the footage part is complicated yeah it's gonna be tricky and expensive and tracking down who owns the rights to all that but they don't think it's an insurmountable problem especially not with the sponsors that they will be bringing on board and i have to say i've been in jacksonville a long time but before i moved to jacksonville i knew two things about it one was a picture i'd seen in a surfing magazine of a guy in a dark green wave in a wetsuit so i knew there was some surf in jacksonville and the other was leonard skinner they were from jacksonville they're proud of it and uh oh yeah i still have my one eight track i've I've thrown away most of my eight tracks from 1970s wisconsin but i still have the leonard skinner uh live eight track um yeah we yeah little of northern rural northern wisconsin we were listening to southern rock from yeah. jacksonville florida and you knew it was from jacksonville yeah i was lucky enough to interview leonard skinner the gym teacher who yeah his name they mockingly took and uh he was kind enough to let them use his real estate company's phone number uh, real estate sign and complete with phone number inside i think it was their third album mm. and he said people would continually call him mm. up in the middle of the night and he'd say yes this really is leonard skinner mm-hmm. and their inevitable reaction far out <laughs> <laughs> yeah you had uh you had a good anecdote from uh Armstrong is it Armstrong that was the uh, the first? early manager? Yeah, and I don't think I I don't he must not have been manager very long even is that right or or I'm not sure he got him going uh, early and got him big in the southeast. But but he had yeah he had a great story. Um, so he was teaching is that right? He was teaching in between school and uh, and he met this kid who had a band. And then at one teacher's meeting, they were saying, we need a, dan- a band for the Valentine's Day dance. So we got this teenage band. I said, I know a band. So we got this band to play. 
they played. Other bands came to him. Hey, can you help us get gigs? And then one day, uh, a West Side boy named Ronnie Van Zant walks into his office and says, <laughs> "My name's Ronnie Van Zant, and I got a new band. We we were the one percent. We just changed our name to Leonard Skinner." <laughs> Can you get me some gigs? Yeah. So we took him up to South Carolina, and, and huh. they started making it big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great story, and you have that in there. And you kind of ended with how um, Fitzgerald, the other person involved in this, how they the it wasn't just talent or luck that they became Leonard Skinner. How how hard they worked at it. Yeah, there were a lot of places to play in Jacksonville back then. It drew people in, like the guys from the Allman Brothers and guys from other bands who came in because there was a lot of work in Jacksonville. There were a lot of clubs that catered to music, live music and a lot of schools and, and all kinds of work. So they came here and then they, Jacksonville was a blue collar town back then and, and blue collar people, they worked hard and, and uh, the Skinner guys were no different and they worked, they worked their butts off. He said, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week practicing. Mm. And almost anyone of a certain age in Jacksonville says, oh, I saw them in a carport or I saw right. them at this club. You know, they were, they were a constant presence here before huh. making it big and causing people all over the world to play air guitar to Freebird. Yeah, right, right. And now on Genteel, PBS stations are coming soon, hopefully. And yeah, you had some great, we, uh, great old photos that attach to the story that I'm sure will definitely be online and hopefully we'll run the paper but um there's i don't know even the posed old photos there's something about them like let's see you have one of original molly hatchet lineup cover of allman brothers at fillmore east mm -hmm. so that's 1971 there and you can just i don't know you there's something about that era well and also album covers i was just talking to nate monroe the other day saying how kids these days don't know what album covers were were like to us exactly and the southern rockers too that you have to think to the rest of the country and the rest of the world part of the appeal of them i think was that element of danger now a lot of these guys were super nice guys they'd never hurt you some of them would but a lot of them were just kind of you know putting on an image but it was a good image and i was talking to mike fitzgerald the, the, one of the producers mm -hmm. of the film about it and he was saying, okay, is Creedence Clearwater Revival Southern Rock is the band Southern Rock? Mm. And I told him that I thought they play, the band is from Canada, Creedence from California. I told him they played Southern style music, but I didn't consider them Southern Rock because right. when I was a kid growing up in Southern California, we heard these Southern Rock guys and they had something that California bands didn't have. Yeah. They, uh, they had an edge of a kind of danger. They seem kind of slightly dangerous, yeah, uh, a little disreputable. Yeah, and I think that's an element of this. These guys had an attitude, right, and they weren't afraid of showing it uh, to you. And uh, that I think it was that element of danger and of swagger that set them apart from all the mellow Californians out in Laurel Canyon, right. or or the the Canadians earnestly playing folk music. <laughs> These guys were just badass. Yeah, because you said like long-haired, sweaty, snarling, helping heap of attitude. Those other bands probably had that first, you know, long hair was in then. Oh, so, sure. so they had the long hair, but I'm not sure that they had the sweaty, snarling, heaping, helping of attitude that, that you kind of describe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. I I'm, I'm certainly hope it 
proceeds and in 2020 we all get to see it so yeah it'd be a lot of fun i think there's a real good chance this happens definitely read this story in the times union on jacksonville.com and stay tuned for updates i'm sure matt Matt will let us know when it's coming to a station near us i will (laughs) thanks matt thank you Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.